With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Final hour of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. I'm your host, Chad Withrow. Charlie Arnault with us from New York City, filling in for Jonathan Hutton today. Hutton will be back with us on Monday. A lot Chad of big and stories Chaz. out there. Chad, or just Chaz. We'll just go with Chaz. We're, we'll or just, or just Chaz, our celebrity uh, our celebrity name. Chaz, Chad and Chaz. We'll, we'll work <laughs> on it. Chad Powers. We talked about Chad Powers on this show. <gasps> A lot of Chad talk uh, throughout this show. Um, John Morant. You know what? Actually, I'm just going to throw it out there. If we did combine our names, it still could be Charlie. That's true. <laughs> that would be uh, sort of uh, kicking the crotch to me if we just went with the name yep. of the show as Charlie. Yeah, but hey, there's there's a movement now. There are there are there's men out there. I'm sure you've heard that are that are now taking the women's name. So uh, that's true. That's true. You want to so, join that side? <laughs> so uh, Hutton and I, we call it Chutton. It's this phenomenon <laughs> where uh, people just and we don't really look that much alike. I don't have a beard, but people hear us and they think we're the other person. So we get confused for the other one all the time. Now Hutton has a thing where he gets confused for Clay all the time because of the beard and Clay. Uh, so people okay. are like, Clay, I love your stuff when we're out around here and, and Hutton always, thanks, man. Appreciate it. We'll keep yeah. up the good fight over here. Just <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. cops to it every time. Um, but yeah, hopefully no confusion between uh, you and I for people yeah, that, that are watching please. the show. Yes, <laughs> please, please no. At least for, for your standpoint, please no. Um, John Morant is in trouble. So Adam Silver says in an interview, we've gotten some more information and we're going to release that information and come up with what the suspension is going to be at a later date, not during the NBA Finals. We'll talk some NBA Finals here coming up. But Charlie, I guess my question is with this John Morant situation, and to recap, those that don't know what, what went down, there's a lot of things that have happened with John Morant. He supposedly uh, got into it with a, a footlocker employee and threatened them. He punched a high school kid at his house in a pickup basketball game and threatened him with a weapon. He went on Instagram Live with a gun in a strip club. That got him suspended. And then he did the same thing, not at a strip club, but with a buddy. And now he's suspended indefinitely. And I hear all these stories, one after the other, Charlie, and I start to think to myself, is it on the league to correct someone's actions that, don't, that they don't really want help or they don't want to be corrected? Or they don't want to change. What is the responsibility of a league in terms of suspension and all of that? If he's mentally troubled, you know, if you've got someone who's mentally troubled but they don't acknowledge it and don't want to get help, you know, he went through basically a drive, a drive-by, drive-through. I shouldn't say drive-by when we're talking about guns and John <laughs> Morant drive-through therapy for four days and acted like in he was fl- healed in from Florida. That. Yeah, he did a soft- which sounds, which honestly sounds pretty sweet to me. Can I go to a a drive-through retreat in Florida? It's called spring break. What do, you know, that, what do that's, I have that's to do the, to, that's to the be drive-through sentenced therapy to that type of punishment? Florida. You just go to the beach. That's you know, like a, a vacation for John Morant. He does the softball interview with Jalen Rose after that, acts like he's a changed right. man. He's clearly not, but I guess I don't know yeah. where to fall on this because I don't know what the league is supposed to do with someone who doesn't want to help themselves. 
I mean, listen, maybe he doesn't want to help himself. Maybe, you know, being a, a social media phenomenon and, you know, he's got a lot of money already to his name. Maybe that's enough. I mean, there's a lot of guys we've seen, uh, you know, pro athletes. Look at look, Antonio Brown is a great example. You know, he, he had so much potential, so much skill. He even had the opportunity going down to Tampa Bay, you know, Tom Brady personally vouching for him to bring him down. He turned out to be a complete nut job, which we already knew. But, you know, there are certain people, it doesn't matter how many chances you give them, they will continue to show you who they are. And maybe this is who John Morant is. Maybe he's not cut out. Maybe, maybe all these shenanigans are more important to him than being one of the greatest NBA basketball players of all time. And if that's the case, then it's unfortunate. But at some point, it's not the league's responsibility to keep correcting his actions. They're here to preserve their image. Uh, and you know, at some point, enough is enough. And I think, you know, what you said earlier about now, the fact that they have waited to really release what his suspension or punishment is going to look like until after the finals because they don't want it to be a distraction already tells us it's something that is going to cause an uproar of some sort. Uh, because otherwise they would just come out and say, hey, you know, here's another slap on the wrist. He got six games before. We'll give him eight games this time because it was the second offense. Uh, but it, it's it's no longer up to the NBA to to get John Morant under control. As far as I'm concerned, uh, I don't know what's going to happen to him, but I think if they give him the leeway to come back, whatever that time frame looks like, I think one more offense, I think he's done. Well, look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I think Antonio Brown is mentally ill. I think the guy's insane. I don't yeah. know that. That's not an official diagnosis, but I would hope that you know someone around him could convince him to get help and help himself and do all that. I, I'm starting to lean that way with John Morant also, although I don't know. Maybe he just really likes making awful decisions and, and not being corrected for them. That could also be a part of it. I'm with you, Charlie, on this in that, and I, I don't want to sound heartless or callous or any of that, I do. But, sound heartless. Sound callous. Well, let's go. But it's not the league's responsibility. Like at some point, Absolutely the NFL not. just has to wash their hands of it and say, the dude is making us look bad, so he can't play in the NFL with Antonio Brown. We, we have to do something with him. If you're Adam Silver in the NBA, if the guy's not willing to take the step to go get mental help, then that's not on the NBA either. And you kind of, I mean, it sounds awful, but you got to throw him aside you know and I, let them be someone God, else's problem. Here's the thing, and I'm going to sound a little heartless maybe when I say this, but I think we are giving too much credence to the whole mental health movement. I think there's a lot of people who just like attention. And they will do whatever it is to get attention. They will act immature. They will continue to make bad decisions because it earns them attention. Being a great basketball player isn't enough for John Morant, it seems. You know, getting all those eyeballs on him when he's putting up a monster dunk is not enough. Instead, flashing a gun is something that stirs up more controversy, has people talking about him, has him in headlines. I don't know that I would call him mental illness. I think I might just call it immaturity. And I think it's a, he's a wannabe gangster. I mean, that's that's what everyone around him, I think, says about him also. And and that people around him, and this is nothing that disappoints and me. And he didn't grow up in a bad neighborhood. He's no, not a gangster. No, absolutely not. And, and that's what, you know, people that have actually had to, not had to, but lived that life, and have been around it, will call him out and say, this is ridiculous because you're not that and you're clearly someone trying to, to be that way. I think Sauce Gardner you know, had the, the post where he tweeted, then deleted it, but said, dude, we've all got guns. You don't need to go on Instagram Live and show them. You know, and then he deleted that post making fun 
of John Moran at the time. But his parents in this, this is what really disappoints me. It's his mom calling him from the mall in Memphis at the Foot Locker to bring his buddies down to come and threaten the manager because she's uh, upset with him. It's the dad that's courtside making a fool of himself at all of the games. If you're looking to the parents to help him and give him a kick in the ass to help him in any way, it's not going to happen, right? That's, yeah. to me, the most disappointing part of all of this, that they're part of the problem in all of this with John Morant. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, you look at so many issues that are happening in our country right now, and it's up to the parents. You know, you have to point the fingers at the parents and say, why are you allowing this to persist? You know, if, if you would, you know, talk to your kids about what's right, what's wrong, uh, we wouldn't be in so many of the situations that we're in right now. And the same goes for John Morant. I feel bad for him, actually, that his parents are so, uh, you know, instrumental in potentially in his demise and that they are just, you know, taking his spotlight for their own benefit and using it for evil because, you know, if I'm them and I realize that my son has talent that very few people in the world possess, I'm going to want him to stay on the straight and narrow. I'm going to do whatever it takes, get him around the right people, bring resources into his life, talk to him. I'm not going to allow him to keep making these mistakes on his own. And even more so, I'm not going to aid him in making these mistakes. So the Denver Nuggets win game one of the NBA Finals. Uh, you've got only the third time ever two teammates and Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray go for 20 points over 10 assists in the same game. The other two duos to do it, Magic Johnson, James Worthy, and Jordan and Pippen. And I'm watching this game, and I love watching the Nuggets play and their style and everything else, Charlie, and I still can't help but think, you know what? This is a Finals that everyone's going to forget pretty soon. Uh, Nuggets heat is not one that we're going to be talking about for years to come. Even if I love this Nuggets story, and I love Jokic as an emerging superstar in the league and the way he plays and everything else, not the sexiest of matchups and not one that we're probably going to spend a lot of time talking about years from now. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from uh, with that perspective. Maybe not the sexiest, uh, but we the storylines are fantastic. Uh, the Heat coming in as the eighth seed, making it to the finals, one of only a few teams in history to do so. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a guy who, every time he opens his mouth, I think to myself, why am I not best friends with you? He seems like such a cool guy, especially stemming from, I remember his his coffee barista days in the bubble. Uh, what were they called? Like big, big head coffee or something like that? Uh, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. I just think Jimmy Butler is such a character. He's such a great leader. And I love that he even predicted last year uh, when they were bounced from the playoffs that they were going to be right back here Next, this this next year, which they are playing for the championship. He has so much trust in his team. Uh, I just think he's fantastic. And then you look at the other side with the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, their first trips to the finals. A lot of people doubting Jokic when he was drafted, saying that he doesn't really have much upside. And he has proved all of the haters to be completely wrong. So, you know what? It's nice for a change to see some new teams introduced into the fold. I was, you know, it's, I feel like the Lakers, they're always like, you know, talk about sexy teams, the Lakers, the Celtics. Okay, but it's kind of the same as, you know, we, we've seen in so many years past. It's nice to have a little bit of a, a refreshing makeup of little, the finals. A little change up. little change a little up. Change the, up. the Nuggets, the Nugs, as I and, like to call them in the finals. And if I am covering, you know, you have to also remember the media members who are now on the road for this whole series. And Miami-Denver... 
Not bad locales to be frequenting this time of year. No, not at all. They're probably happy with that for sure. It could, yeah. could be worse. Uh, it could be Milwaukee, oh, you know, in the could finals. Be much, yeah, remember, yeah, Milwaukee, you could be uh, Oklahoma City is not a, such a great location. They, you know, haven't, haven't gone so far, but I'm just thinking of places that, you know, maybe not the most sexy of destinations to spend your time. Yeah, we're going to have to come up with the list of uh, worst NBA finals for media to attend in the <laughs> cities, the head-to-head matchup of worst yeah. NBA cities. We'll, we'll do that on a, on a future show for sure. Um, so Sam Ponder dares to speak out and say what most people think, that biological men should not be moving over to women's sports and competing against women and winning championships, beating them. That's something that should not be happening, and she stands up for women's sports. USA Today columnist comes out and says, well, that's because she's masking her bigotry. And don't be fooled by what she's saying about women's sports and supporting it or caring about it. She's just a a bigot masquerading around ESPN, and that's all there is to see there. ESPN says nothing. In fact, an ESPN employee, Sarah Spain, likes the tweet from USA Today with the column. And then, Charlie, the first response we see from ESPN is a flag-raising of, of some sort? What can you tell us? Yep. Yeah, okay, well, first of all, the flag you're referring to is the trans flag. Uh, marking the beginning of Pride Month, ESPN put on their flagpole on campus a trans flag uh, right after Sam Ponder made the comments that transgendered athletes should not be able to compete against women because it creates an unequal playing field. Because men, as we know, bigger, stronger, faster. And ESPN didn't even go out of their way not even a little bit, to defend one of their most valuable assets, uh, which I find to be a horrible slap in the face to Sam uh, because they've gone out of their way to stick out, stick their uh, necks out for other employees who they feel have been wronged by other media members. So I really think they handled this poorly, but I also think that maybe it's not about handling it poorly. Maybe they actually do believe that there's some bigotry in what Sam Ponder is saying. And then on that topic, I think the word bigot in the case of talking about transgender athletes and women's sports is being thrown out in the most unnecessary manner. Like even myself, I'm called a bigot every single day now. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what world are we living in that because I am standing up for women and their right to have their own space to compete just like men do, am I considered a bigot? I think for the past several decades, all of us have been on the same page that women deserve the same rights as men, right? I mean, we're trying to fight yeah. oppression as far as women are concerned. And now suddenly we're going backwards and trying to trample on the rights of women and the opportunities that they're given by introducing biological men into the fold in women's sports. It just makes no sense. And the debate, it's, it's just, if, if you even just think about it for a second, there's a huge biological advantage. Of course. And if you cannot recognize that, then you need to get your head checked. Yeah, I think the word used in the column was there's a, a paucity of information. There's not enough information to determine if transgender athletes are superior to women. And I, I'm reading it, and my mind is blown. I'm thinking, here's the evidence. Go look at men in sports and their times in sports and everything else and their height and weight throughout history and compare that to women's sport. There's your information. Like, right. We're really and, and, bearing the lead here when we're not just addressing it the way it is. This is biological men moving over and participating in sports against women. It's not 
an outrageous side to be on to say, you know, maybe that's a little bit unfair. Right. And, you know, there is there are people that are saying, well, before puberty hits, boys and girls are on similar playing fields. Okay, fine. That's all good and well. But we're not talking about little kids here who are running around at recess on the playground. We are talking about athletes who are competing on a national stage. Uh, very advanced competition that very few reach the point of. And we're seeing any time that there are these, these levels, these more advanced levels, whether it's state championships in high school, whether it's uh, championships in NCAA, whether it's in professional sports, you know, triathlons. Every time a, a transgendered man has been introduced into the, to the fold, as far as I know, they haven't come in last. They haven't been in the middle. They've either been towards the top or even in some cases like Leah Thomas and like lately in the uh, California, Nevada uh, field and track state championships at the top. Yeah. Well, their, their stock improved, right? Regardless, the baseline is they got better when they moved over to women's sports based on comparatively how they were performing in in the men's game, whatever the sport may be. So there's another good sign of evidence of all you need if you're the USA Today columnist or, or anyone else. It, it really does. Uh, some of the stuff just blows the mind that, that it's, it's still an issue. Um, Brandon Miller's got issues. Uh, he's got legal issues, and he's probably going to be the second overall pick in the NBA draft to the Charlotte Hornets. But he's having to walk into team meetings, Charlie, with a note from his attorney saying that Brandon can't answer any specifics about the ongoing murder investigation involving one of his teammates, that murder investigation that it is a stated fact that he transported the weapon, the murder weapon, to the scene of the crime, whether knowingly or unknowingly. That's to be debated. But that's what he did, and now he's not talking about it. And it sets up for an interesting case study in how NBA teams will treat this. I don't think it's going to affect him. I think he's probably going to end up going number two overall with his talent. And NBA teams will write it off as, hey, he didn't know what he, what he was doing, terrible situation, but we believe in the kid. I don't think it's going to affect him. Do you think the fact that he's not speaking to these teams and not being forthright and honest about it and instead walking in with a legal document presenting them to the teams during interviews, is that going to negatively affect his draft stock? No, I don't think so. And I think it's smart that he walks in with a legal document because once you start answering questions, you put yourself in a position where you are subject to I don't know, like maybe being considered, you know, in, you know, need to be investigated further. Um, I'm not exactly sure how all of that works. Um, but I think it's smart that he's not answering questions. I think it's, you know, you don't even approach the topic. You come in, you hand in the piece of paper and you get down to business, you know, why he's really here. And that's to play basketball. And on those subjects, he probably is very charming. He's obviously very talented. Uh, So I think the move is smart. I think teams will not care what happened because until he's proven guilty or evidence pops up that puts him in a worse light than he already has been, it seems like we've kind of moved on from that. I think he's okay. I think if something were to happen after he gets drafted, that's a different story, kind of like we talked about with John Morant. Once now you're the responsibility of the league, it's a different story. But right now, it's like, okay, that was your past. We weren't involved then. It's kind of like, you know, when you start dating like a, a guy or a girl, like you, you don't so much care about their past, but if they were to cheat on you during your relationship, then you would have issues. Then suddenly the past is an issue. Then suddenly exactly. you're talking about the past. Yeah. Um, 
When we come back, there's a Major League Baseball player who said he would sacrifice his eldest child to get out of the funk that he's in. Um, child sacrifice, something I didn't think we'd get into on the show today, but we will when we come back. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. We're back, Hot Mike, with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton's going to be back with us on Monday. Well-deserved day off today. Going to do a lot of issues today. we got Charlie Arnault with us in New York City. Special, emphasis on the special, special guest co-host with us today. And uh, having Very a good special. time. Very special. And that was your request, to make sure the special and special guest co-host stays there. Exactly. The entire but I'm time. Gonna, I'm going to now, but you realize now I'm going to watch every episode of the show or listen to it. And if you say special for anyone else, I'm going to have some real issues here. It's not going to happen. In fact, I think you're going to be my special guest co-host again this summer at some point. Yes. Yes. I think, so, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think in another uh, couple weeks I'm back on with you. So I made a mental note. I'm going to make an actual note now that whoever is the other co-host will not be special. Yeah. Just, we can come up with another adjective for that. But specials. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Just keep a guest. Just right. guest, yes. Well, keep me at the top. Our of the guest today is Armando Salguero. Nothing else. No. Well, you know what? Nothing. When I um were used to work in WWE, I would I would my big line and people joke about it. I would say my guest at this time, and then I would introduce whoever I was talking to. So um, you mentioned WWE, Charlie. You also work in UFC right now. So this is a nice tie into this story. Israel Adesanya online um. mocked an 18 year old. Uh, who is missing after jumping off a cruise ship because he posted, it's a prank bro era, hashtag Darwinism. Now, what he's saying may be a little bit insensitive based on the situation. Uh, also, not inaccurate on what he's stating with, with this and how dumb it was of the kid jumping off a cruise ship. Um, you know him, I'm sure, in your work with UFC, what did you think when you first saw this story? So listen, I, I'm, I'm very well aware of the story that he's referring to. You know, it's the poor kid who now has been missing for days. He just graduated high school on a dare, jumps into what we now have found out are shark infested waters uh, while he was on a cruise, a booze cruise with his graduating high school friends. So, you know, it was a dare. They said, I we dare you to jump in and like an idiot, I'm sorry, but it's just the flat out truth. He did. I mean, I don't know. You know, he's, you're obviously drinking. Your mind isn't operating on the best of conditions. But it's it's hard to fathom that someone, you know, be, this is the era that Gen Z is living in. I talked about it before. The things people are willing to do to get attention. Because I I, I would bet you anything that before he did it, he asked his friends to video it. And I guarantee you, should things have worked out, you know, as he would have hoped, and he would have been able to get back on the boat and enjoy the rest of the trip with his friends, guarantee that video would have ended up on TikTok. 
Yeah, no, you're probably right. With some tr- probably it's- with some trending hashtag. And, and that that is the thing is, is kids these days, the things they are willing to do to get attention, to get likes, to get views is beyond me. I mean, you have people taking selfies on the edges of cliffs and falling over because they wanted to get a cool selfie. It's just, it's crazy the risks that Gen Z will take for the views, uh, for the clout. So, you know, yeah, maybe a little insensitive to some, but I, I don't think anything he said is is is, is wrong. I, I see no lie in what he said. Um, and I don't think he meant any offense when he said it. It is, it is, it's a prank bro era that we're living in. So I'm obviously older than you are, Charlie, but I, I feel like I am um, blessed to live in kind of two different eras, right? Like I grew up where you had to, you know, call someone at home if you want to get talk in touch to the with parents. a friend, talk to the parents. Like if you want to call a girl in junior high, you had to talk to her dad first and ask to speak to the girl <laughs> if you wanted to talk to her or date her or whatever, you know, the, the, the junior high dating. In high school was right around the time some people started getting cell phones and they were they were bigger. But then in college was the first time I ever had an email account was when I got to college. So uh-huh. my life kind of lived in two different eras, right? The pre-information age and post-information age. And then as I'm in my 20s, that's when Twitter starts to become a thing. Social media really takes off. So I've kind of seen all of that on, on both sides of it. I do not understand. And it's kids today that have been raised with cell phones, right? That they've had social media since being very small their whole life. They've had social media and the ability to film themselves, photograph themselves. My, my kids are this way now. They're always going to have that ability and not know a world where it was anything else. But some of the situations I see that are filmed, and I think, why? Like people in danger, and they think, I'm going to take out my phone now and film it and start filming because this is entertaining. Like, what you're getting at here, this inclination to film everything or photograph it is beyond me. I see certain things on the internet, and I think, why would anyone think to be filming this as this is happening to them? But it happens time and time again. You just saw the other day uh, those Marines who were getting beat up by those that group of kids and around them, I mean, it was a mob of kids who who were witnessing these Marines being beat up on, on Memorial Day at that, and nobody was stepping in to help. They just all had their cell phones out recording it. That's the day we live in. You know, you see people in the subways getting beat up by, you know, you know, we just saw with the, um, the, the Jordan Neely incident. No one steps in. They just bring their cell phones out and record it so then they can show other people later on. I mean, it's just... This is the world we live in, and it's not just kids anymore. It's also adults now. People just take out their phones, and instead of stepping in or trying to help the situation, uh, it's all about the video so that they can then post it and get some likes and have you know more followers. It's it's really actually very sad, but this death that we're referring to uh, that Israel Adesanya tweeted about, completely unavoidable. I mean, it, it, who in their right mind jumps into the ocean off of a cruise ship? I don't care if there's no sharks. Don't you realize that it's a cruise ship? It's a huge boat. It's going to create a huge wake. There's going to be a current. It's moving a lot faster than you realize. Who's going to pick you up out of the water? It's just such a horrible situation. I feel for the the boy's family. I feel for his friends. But wow, how this how easily this could have been avoided. Yeah, really, uh, really sad situation with that. I feel like this is kind of a segment of just uh, people saying dumb things. Noah Syndergaard, pitcher for the L.A. Dodgers, 30 years old. Struggling this year. In his 11 starts, he's got a 6.54 ERA. 
was asked about his struggles, and he said that I would give up my hypothetical firstborn to be the old me again. This is clearly someone who's not already a parent because they wouldn't have said that. Exactly. So he doesn't really grasp the, the sensation you have when you have a human that you're in charge of that's yours. Um, so he wouldn't have said it in, in that respect. Um, Charlie, you're, you're not a mom right now, but can you ever imagine yourself saying you would give up your firstborn because you're in such a rut in one way or the other? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I say stuff like that all the time as a joke. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't mean it literally. And I have to imagine Noah yeah. Syndergaard didn't mean it literally either. Uh, but, but still, yeah, I think the whole point is, is he's a, he's a young kid. He's living it up. He's a professional athlete. You know, he would give anything to get rid of the yips. That's like the biggest mental block. I mean, it's so it's an athlete's worst nightmare. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let it slide with the, uh, <laughs> the comparison or, or whatever you might call it. Uh, I don't think he truly means it though. And I think one day when, he eventually does hopefully become a dad. You know, he he can uh, look look back fondly on this quote and uh, put it in his kid's baby book. Maybe he'll uh, issue a new quote the moment that he has his first child. <laughs> My second-born child. I'd like to go back and refute what I said four or five yeah, years or, or ago be a about born, this. Right? And, uh, you know, this is... There's nothing better, and I promise I'm not going to sacrifice my firstborn. I will take the so I can throw my slider over sacrificing again. my kid. Yeah, my location needs to get better, like it was five years ago, so I'll sacrifice my firstborn. Uh, incredible yeah. statement there. Also amazing that because uh, Turnberry Golf Course in Scotland is owned by Donald Trump now, that uh, apparently it's never going to be in contention to host an Open Championship and a British Open ever again. This kind of goes back to my contention, Charlie, that I think Donald Trump just broke a lot of people's brains and it continues continues to break them because of the vitriol that so many feel towards him that we're now canceling a golf course that he owns that's one of the best in the world and now they can't host a British Open. Yeah, I mean, people are a lot of people look for any excuse that they can to hate on Donald Trump, even though he had our country in a much better place than it is now. Uh, but I mean, this is this is what we've seen. We've seen this for ever since he was running for president. I mean, it's just one more example. And it's unfortunate because I hear it's a really nice golf course. And I think, you know, I think Live Golf still takes advantage of Trump's courses quite frequently uh, because, again, he has. Uh, not courts, um, courses, courses all over the world. Uh, so, yeah, but I get it. You know, people love to hate on Donald Trump. So, well, I'm it's, not surprised. It's the, it, we can go back into a, a full media discussion on this, but a lot of it is, I, I laughed yesterday. I didn't laugh at uh, Joe Biden falling, but there was a, I think Clay posted something that I did. It was a New York <laughs> Times think piece about, um, I tend not to laugh at old men falling, so maybe that makes me a weakling, but that's the case. I just, I'm glad he didn't break his no, hip you're as just, he did. I think you're just a good person. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> apparently. But there was uh, Donald Trump walking slowly off of a plane. I don't know if you've seen this. And the New York Times had a story oh, yes. that said a lot of uh, health experts chiming in on Donald Trump's slow walk. And oh, and when full, he raises his, his yeah. water, too. Yes, were, his like, water some... is also a sign of, of health problems. And I think Clay was like, you know, where's the New York Times going to fall on this latest fall from Biden, which did make me laugh when I saw that. Uh, again, Donald Trump broke many's brains, and a lot of them exist in the media. And I don't, yeah. think we've, I don't think we've recovered from that yet. 
No, I don't think we've recovered from it. And I don't think he's doing the best job uh, repairing people's brains, you know, especially, you know, when he has all of these pretty outlandish statements uh, in terms of some of his uh, opponents who are also running for presidency in this upcoming election, like uh, Ron DeSantis. But I don't know. I take it all in jest. I think it's good entertainment. It makes me laugh. So, um, and if I'm a golfer, I want to play at the nicest courses around the the world. So I say, let him play. Let him play on Trump's course. I don't think he's going to show up. I don't think it's going to have any bearing on anything. I think spectators and golfers alike will have a, a grand old time out there at Turnberry. So Harry Kane, British soccer star, has uh, told Good Morning, Good Morning America he wants to become an NFL kicker. And there's video of him kicking, and he wants to be, uh, he wants to give it a go uh, at some point. I, I like this. I, I tend to stray away from these things when someone in one sport makes some declaration about participating in another sport. But I do feel like Harry Kane and his answer comes in with open eyes and an open mind and saying, I know I'm going to have to work really hard. I'm way behind the eight ball because I have not done this. I've been kicking a soccer ball and not a football. So if he came into it with this boisterous mentality of, hey, I'm one of the greatest soccer players in the world. I'm the captain <laughs> of the English soccer team. I surely can go kick a, a pigskin, an oblong pigskin through an upright, and that's not going to be a problem. If he came into it with that mentality, I'd, I'd take issue with it. But he's not. He's coming into it and saying, yeah, I'm going to have to work my ass off if this is going to work. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's always fun to have a new challenge in life, right? Yeah. You know, you succeed at one thing, and then you say, okay, what, what's next? What else can I tackle? Uh, no pun intended now that he's switching over to football. Or I guess, uh, yeah, football. No, wait. Soccer is referred to as football, right? It's referred to as football uh, everywhere but the United States of America. Correct. Yes. Okay. Anyways, yeah. I know I've gotten I've gotten railed on many times about that. They're like, it's football. You know, the soccer fans are are some of the uh, craziest. And I mean that in the most loving of ways. Yeah. Um, they they, yeah, love, they love their soccer. They love their football. That's for sure. Their football. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't mind uh, the hardworking mindset. And I don't mind that he is considering making the transition because I, I, I agree with him that it's going to be challenging and not that I perceive myself to be a football player extraordinaire by any means, but I've, you know, attempted a few times to kick a ball through the uprights and I have failed miserably. It is actually very difficult. Oh yeah. Not especially easy. when you have like the eyes of a whole stadium on you and there's wind and there's different elements, you know, at factors. It's, it's um, certainly not easy. It's tough. At least he knows that. At least he knows that going in. Uh, apparently working with Skip Bayless was not easy for Shannon Sharp. I don't know if you've ever done this, Charlie, where you just go and like start liking every negative tweet about someone because you're so mad at them. But uh, Shannon Sharp is tweeting through it right now. Not going to be a part of the show, uh, undisputed on, F on FS1 after the NBA Finals. And he has liked tweets that where Skip Bayless is called a, a piece of bleep. He's liked tweets referring to Skip Bayless as weird Al Yankovic and him being James Brown. And how letting Jenny Taft and him go, or like letting I think Madonna and J or Lady Gaga and James Brown go, and keeping Weird Al oh Yankovic. Oh my gosh! I mean, he is. I love on Jenny one. Taft, but <laughs> yeah, Jenny Taft is is very good. But he's on one right now, and um, it seems to me that uh, the the general consensus is maybe a rotating cast of characters is the way to go, and not an everyday thing. If you're going yeah. to debate Skip Bayless every day, 
that well, may that's be what the, happened with Stephen A. Smith, right? That's what he's yeah, doing. Exactly. Now. That's yeah. that's the that's the um the model that first take adopted and the ratings are higher than ever, from what I'm understanding. Um I think, you know, after a while, think about it. Listen, I know like there's always different topics to talk about, but it gets stale when you're talking the same things with the same person over and over again. Uh Unless you can find different methods to switch it up, but after years, well, especially when you hate that person, I think that's well, the biggest as, issue. Well, here. you hate the person, but I'm just saying, even at you know the very basic level, it gets a little stale. Yeah. And then, yeah, when you don't have any time to get over instances where you feel like you've been wrong, like Skip has. It was the Demar Hamlin. Remember when um, Skip tweeted out yep. about Demar Hamlin, and I actually he was mad the game I, was canceled. He was he was tweeting about how can they cancel? He wasn't this mad NFL the game, game was canceled. He wasn't mad. I actually I, I forget the specifics of his tweet, but he was breaking shedding light on the fact that the NFL generally wouldn't cancel such a big game like this because when the, what then does it mean for the playoffs? Because that that game had serious playoff implications. Uh, but then he also mentioned, but of course, you know the health and safety of Demar Hamlin is is of the utmost importance. Everyone took that so out of context. I know what Skip meant. I, I understood it. I, I didn't think he said anything all that wrong. But, you know, Shannon took major exception to it, which is fine. Listen, everyone's entitled to their own opinions. And I think there was probably, you know, there's already underlying tension between the two of them. So Shannon threw, flew off the rails maybe a little more than he normally would. Maybe he could have just calmly been like, hey, like, this isn't cool. I don't agree with this because X, Y, Z. Maybe it could have been a debate that they brought to the table on FS1 the following day. Uh, but then remember, uh, Shannon, uh, yeah, Shannon didn't even show up. Yeah, he yet. didn't go to work for oh, the, next uh, the next day, which was a big problem. Yeah, yeah, he didn't even show up. So, um, it, you know, it's, it probably just was time for them to go their separate ways. And I think I think Shannon's leaving FS1 altogether, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah he's, so leaving, want, he's leaving the company. And, and there's it's not been officially reported by him or anyone else, but there's some dispute over, I think his contract may just be up and not getting renewed or that he's leaving on his own within the contract. Mm -hmm. But either way, no one is disputing the fact that he's gone once the NBA Finals end. Yeah, and I wonder will he, will he, where he will land. It'll be interesting. Where someone will land on an airplane is always Ooh. a big consequence, and this is my best segue of the day so far, Charlie. That was what a good one. links would you go to to secure your own aisle on a flight. We'll get into that and we'll show you an example. That's coming up next. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, it already feels like the weekend in our 6th and Peabody studio, downtown Nashville, crew in here, getting it done all week. Big thanks to them. I'm Chad Withrow. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Hutton will be back with us on Monday. Charlie Arnault with us, special guest co-host up in New York City. 
doing a terrific job with us. It does today. not feel like the weekend where I'm sitting right now, so I'm I envy you. It does not. Are you going straight from this show to more Fox News assignments? What's next? Yeah, for you? I have I have um actually right after I get off here, I'm doing um a segment with um it's a Fox News Saturday night special. I'm going to be uh doing a little segment for them. Then I'm on the bottom line on Fox Business. And then I get to go home. So the wow. work is, we're almost there. But, um, you know, the pinched nerve in my neck is really taking the joy out of the weekend for me. I was going to ask, has it gotten better or worse as the show's going on? You know what? On? I actually... Am I a literal I actually, pain in your neck? That's what I'm asking. Is, 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 that, is that the issue? Is it me? No, it's not you. In fact, I think you might be helping because I'm noticing, like, something's, like, loosening up, it seems, a little bit. But it also could be the cortisone shot that I had in my shoulder earlier that, like, maybe somehow got into the bloodstream and is, like... You know, I'd like to think it's me. It's probably the cortisone shot, but I'll just imagine that it's me. That that's why your your neck is suddenly feeling better. Um, your neck is never feeling good after a long flight when you're jammed in the middle seat with in between two other people, especially yep. if they're two bigger people on either side. People will go to some extremes, Charlie, to try to secure either an empty seat next to them, their own aisle. Can't do it on a on a full flight. Uh, but we've got video of someone who apparently went to great lengths where telling people or asking them to sit with them and in a creepy way, turning people away from making sure that they don't sit down next to them. Have you ever tried anything like this? And if not, what is your go-to method? I please, I'm the queen of getting people not to sit next to me. Um, I have a few strategies. Uh, one maybe looked down upon more than the other, but I'm, I'm jotting just gonna, them down I'm just, right now, by the way. So this I is going to be, we, this is a, a place where we can be open and honest and not, and not have judgment passed. Uh, my first strategy, which is one that I've been employing for longer than ever is you pretend to be asleep and you're in the aisle. So someone like generally doesn't want to like wake you up and like really even like one time someone's like, excuse me, excuse me. And I just acted like I was passed out. So eventually they just like kept on going. Um, so that's one that's, strategy. That's I have. really and good. I, I, and then I also will put a bag in the middle seat to to make it look like someone might already be sitting there, which throws some people for a loop. My last tactic. Now, this is the one that some might, you know, pass a little bit of judgment for, but COVID era. As we were oh. moving forward, you know, people will, were still very iffy when you would cough or sneeze in public. Remember that? Like, it would almost be like, oh, my God, that person coughed. How could they? Like, get them out get of gla- here. <laughs> so <laughs> when someone happens. would walk by that I didn't want to sit next to me, which, you know, was everybody, I would cough. I would fake cough. And then it did the trick. I, that the, All three, good. I think it could yeah. definitely work. See, I don't, first off, now if it's a full flight, you just, you, you give up and try to get the best spot yeah, you can. And you then just up. know someone's going to come right. in and sit next to you. But I just never try to make eye contact. Like I found that if I'm always busy doing something else, it's when you look, you make the mistake of looking into the aisle and your eyes meet with someone else and they're like, okay, this person seems okay. I'll sit next to mm-hmm. them. Then they start leaning in and going to your aisle. So try to avoid the eye contact is definitely key. Well, sorry, I was I didn't mean to cut you off. You're I good. was going to say it doesn't, you know, sometimes even if you don't make contact though, like in my case, cause I'm like a more petite girl. A lot of people are like looking for, you know, a more spacious area to sit in and with me I'm not as threatening as you know a a larger man you know so 
I have yeah, a little I, bit of a disadvantage. I, I think I speak for all guys and say I'm probably going right to your aisle if you're sitting there the, the whole time, like the <laughs> smallest girl possible. That's, if I'm yeah. going to sit in the middle seat, I'm sitting right there. And I'm probably the guy who'd like knock you over even if you didn't wake up and acted like you were passed <laughs> up. Like, I, Excuse me, ma'am. I've got to get through here. Sorry. So sorry. Ends up in my lap. I'm like, hello? What, what are you doing? <laughs> we mentioned Gen Z earlier, uh, and they're at it again with the latest trend. You, you like to fake being asleep to try to avoid people sitting next to you on a plane. Apparently, bed rotting is a thing now where you just lay in bed all day. And this is a a great way to mentally and physically reset. I always thought that was just uh, referred to as sleep. I thought that's what you do when you were rotting in the bed was that was your time to sleep. I didn't know that being awake in bed helped you mentally. Well, I think bed rotting actually encompasses sleep as well as a myriad of other activities. I think you can, what they're saying they do is they just spend a ridiculous amount of time in bed doing absolutely everything. They eat, they do face masks, they're on their laptops, they're watching movies, they're talking to their friends, they're painting their nails, they're playing video games. But see, the bed should be an appealing place. And if you do everything in the bed, at some point you don't want to be in bed. Like, bed is a place to seek to get to. Like, at the end of your long day here, Charlie, you're going to want to get to your bed. You don't want to be in your bed all the time because then at some point you just want to get out of the bed. I want the bed to be the home for me where I'm trying to get to the bed at the end of the day. Yeah, and also I find the couch to be a more appealing place to rot. You know, like even before the Netflix and chill era, like I've been a big couch fan back in the day. Remember MTV Spring Break Days where they would do the most ludicrous of shows and it would be something that would never, it would be, everything would be canceled right now if they tried to do the same Spring Break shows that they did back in the day. Like Cisco Thong Song Days. Uh, so I think um, we, we made it through the show, Charlie, uh, here in the last 20 seconds without getting canceled. Oh, oh so it's over. congrats to you on that. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a special guest co-host today. Uh, we did it. We made it through. We, we appreciate you. I, I appreciate you and everyone who took the time to listen to us. Thank you. Jonathan Hutton will be back with us on Monday. Charlie's still got work to do up in New York. Have a great weekend, everyone. See you on Monday. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow.